Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to Fintech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls Fintech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer or coffee or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Welcome back to FinTech Brews. So we can't quite decide if we're coffee people or beer people, probably both. Just kind of how we came up with the name. That it works. It, it totally works. works. And I think the verdict is that you have to have a heavy dose of both to work at Central Payments. So glad you guys tuned in today. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. And are you decaf or fully loaded uh, today? Always loaded. To the max. Do you remember that time you said, I drink foo-foo coffee? Yes. And you just take yours black. Yes. Lame. No foo-foo coffee. Yeah. I can smell it when I come into the office. Yeah. Well, we'll get you there. Just like beer. Cheers. We'll get you there. Cheers. Um, so today, we're really going to spend a little bit more time unpacking Falls FinTech. If you tuned into the last episode, it was all about rolling back into CBKC, CDFI status, the payments division, and how we founded the Accelerator. So today, we're going to go kind of part two into that and how we got here with the Accelerator. I think it's a great spot to pick up. If you think about when we decided this Accelerator thing is what we wanted to do and why we were going to do it, um, I think this is a great opportunity to kind of showcase some of these awesome companies that have come through, talk a little bit about what the future plans are, and, uh, and then again, really encourage people to uh, apply to be a part of one of our cohorts. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm excited to kind of give you an opportunity to talk about um, these companies that I know are so dear, near and dear to you. Yeah, perfect. Let's do it. This will be very exciting. So if we left off with the idea of why we thought an accelerator made sense, um, talk about that first cohort. But if you, if you go back in time and you think about what an interesting experience. I think it's gonna be great background for listeners to understand uh, what we saw in those applicants. Mm. Uh, false FinTech didn't exist. Nobody knew about it yeah. at that time. Well, first of all, you're scratching at the PTSD itch a little bit because it really was something I've never personally experienced before of being thrown in to do so much in such a short order. Um, we You had like four months. I don't understand uh -huh. why that was so and stressful for you. Let's see. Last episode, we talked about Luke and the gifts he brings to the table. So this one, I'm going to highlight Heather Berg a bit. 
She keeps us on track, on point, on budget, on task, which is really, really, really hard to do. Uh, so as soon as we said yes to the accelerator, I knew exactly who I needed to scoop up. Um, yeah, from... talk about the team. Bring everybody up to speed on who the, t yeah. the team. Sure, absolutely. So uh, Rewind, we're back in August of 2019. The board says, let's do this thing. Uh, let's go for the accelerator. Let's, let's serve these folks. And... Um, you rock and roll. Okay. So uh, we knew we had Luke uh, in the following spring, but meanwhile, it was a team of just you and I, part-time you or part-part-part-time you and, and me. So I knew I had to pick somebody that was going to be everything that I'm not. Type A, very detail-oriented, budget-minded, all the things. And so we picked up Heather to fill that spot. She started in September and I'll never forget um, during this interview, she said, okay, so wait, what are you doing? What's an accelerator? How is this going to functionally work? And when do you want to launch this thing? And I said, well, we're going to roll it out and go public in October 28th of 2019 at Money 2020. She said, so seven weeks. I'm like, well, six weeks. And I'm pretty sure she threw up in her mouth. Um, but she said, yes, anyway, join the team. And we made it happen. So like first day, first week, she's like, I'm going to Vegas. I Let's figure it out. Guess we're going to Vegas. And I guess I have to fundamentally build at least the framework of what this accelerator is going to look like. <laughs> and so we did just that. Um, October 19, we went out to Vegas and we had a reception where we launched with some friends in the industry about this accelerator, what it is, how it's going to work. Um, we talked about the layout of bringing companies into Sioux Falls, South Dakota for, for 10 weeks at that time. How many people told you, that I remember when, when you would talk about the concept at that time, it didn't even have a name, False Fintech didn't even exist at that time, but when you would say, I want to do it in Sioux Falls and I want these companies to come to Sioux Falls, yeah. like how many of them just sort of looked at you and said, have you lost your mind? Well, what's funny is I thought they all would. I thought every single person on the planet was going to say, Sue what? Falls where? What is this thing? Um, I couldn't find South Dakota on a map if I tried. But here's what's interesting is that wasn't a deterrent. There was a natural hesitancy from the Manhattans of the world, L.A. and so on, but nothing that scared people off. I thought it was going to be a much bigger hurdle than it actually ended up being, which was interesting. Um, so when we packed this penthouse suite place at the Venetian out in Vegas with a launch reception for Falls Fintech, I heard for the next two days at the conference what a buzz we made and how interesting this was and things like, wow, that was the best party of the, of the event. I'm not sure if that was necessarily, you know, me induced or not. It was a good party. It was a great party. Um, and anyway, a lot of attraction, a lot of fintech showed up that were at 2020. Um, and of course, a lot of our friends in the industry that wanted to help put some legs under this, call it sponsors, if you will. And that really got interesting to me is when, when we started to talk to our friends and we explained why we wanted to do this for our business, uh, so many of them looked at it and said, man, this would be good for my business mm -hmm. too. You know, I, I'm part of this payments ecosystem and I'm looking, away, I'm looking at ways in which we can expand our market. Um, I got to get involved in this false fintech thing because, you know, what's good for central payments is good for me as central payments processing partner That's or my, right. their card fulfillment partner or whatever I, happens to be. I think people really look at us 
not tongue in cheek here, but I really think people look at us as early adopters. You know, there's kind of the fast followers and that whole school of thought, but we really do sit on the cutting edge. A lot of that comes out of your brain factory. And oftentimes I want to want to knock you down, um, but it ends up being let this not inflate your ego, but usually the right move. And so I appreciate that. So we're really on this early adopter swing and people look at us and go, wow, that's amazing. Wow, that's innovative. Wow, that's creative. Wow, that's different. And I'm super proud to be on a team that that has that kind of that bent, if you will. So you would think, okay, this thing gets put together at lightning speed. Mm-hmm. Um, no major PR firms, no huge splash. Uh, it was very, very organic. It was. Um, it is Luke the Finturn uh, out there trying to drum up some social media uh, attention. One would think that the first group of applicants for that first cohort was like, oh, where did you scrape these folks up? Because no one had heard of you. That really wasn't the case. Talk about that. It wasn't at all. As a matter of fact, we thought for sure we're like, okay, so October, end of October, you go to Vegas. We have November and December to find fintechs, start interviewing, select them so that we can do everything from due diligence and background checks and framing the curriculum to kick off in March of 2020. And if there was five, you were praying for six applicants. Oh, that's right. If I could get six, then I've got a cohort. I can find five. I've got a cohort. If I've got, if I've got six, I can make a cohort. And wouldn't you know it, we had over 30 applicants, our first um, cohort, the in such a short order. And you're right, not bottom of the barrel people. We had great selections and, you know, people think, oh, cute. So right outside of Sioux Falls, nope. Our first cohort was made up out of a company uh, in Manhattan, uh, LA, Salt Lake City, Utah, Spokane, Washington, Washington, DC, and a representative from Nairobi, Kenya. So our very first cohort, Banned not only in the United States, but worldwide, which was really remarkable. And the products, it really kind of comes down to, there's this tug of war seemingly of, do you bet on the founders? Do you bet on the product? If you're lucky enough to get a combination of both. And I really feel like in cohort one, it was a lot of a combination of both. Um, I, I remember when we were going through the, the first round of applicants. And I remember thinking to myself like, wow, these are all much higher caliber than I expected. That's right. Um, And that's where I think everybody got very excited at that point because we realized that, you know, on a shoestring budget with very little PR, we saw what I believe someday could be some of the more exciting startups in fintech today. That's right. Two of these five in the first cohort are rounding out implementation with central payments as we speak. And so they are just knocking on the door of full market launch with a customized implementation. Um, And we reduced all those barriers to entry to help them get there. And honestly, we constantly hear this feedback of, I don't know where I would have been or where I would be if it wasn't for central payments and false fintech, which kind of tugs at my old heartstrings, you know. Yes, they know just what to say to you. (laughs) The companies that came through cohort one, couple of them, like you said, are, are coming into implementation. The central payments folks, you've passed the baton to us. Um, we've put them right through the due diligence machine and put them through the implementation machine and, and we're right there with them. So it's, it's so exciting. Uh, I think, what do you tell the companies that 
aren't ready to go to implementation yet, how do you keep them motivated to say, look, in many cases, keep working on raising the money. We're here for you. Um, we're not going anywhere. Uh, two are coming out, um, but more to come. What do you, what do you kind of do to keep the momentum going there on, on that first cohort? Yeah. Because they're going on, correct me if I'm wrong, we're, how long? We're going on over a year now yeah. since, since they were here. That's right. Well, you know, uh, let's not forget that we launched this thing in, again, March 2020, that dreaded month that nobody will seemingly forget. We brought these five companies to Sioux Falls. Trent, they had their groceries bought, their Airbnb reserved for 10 weeks. They were going to be physically on site here in Sioux Falls for nearly three months and came in on a Monday. We kicked off. Everybody was wildly excited. And lo and behold, by Thursday, we ended up sending them all home. I'll never forget that drive home, uh, calling you and saying, look, I think we have a problem. Um, you know, COVID, the pandemic, uh, this, this is getting serious fast. Uh, and I think we need to do another one of our special pivots, uh, but we need to do this one quickly. Uh, you know, these folks probably need to go home to their families. Well, right. Talk about that experience doing the, during those three or four days when, <laughs> you know, they come in completely excited and motivated and ready to just, you know, just, just hit the ground running. And then all of a sudden, 48 hours later, we're, we're trying to decide what, what are we going to do? That's right. Well, I think one company sticks out in particular when we came in that Thursday morning and we said, look guys, it's pretty clear that we need to put a pin in this, send you all home and decide where we go from here. Uh, one guy, I really thought he was going to lose it because earlier that morning he had gotten a call from an investor that said, this pandemic thing is really starting to take a funky shape. I don't know what it's going to mean. I'm pulling out on my investment. So this one company that was getting a ton of traction, seemingly lost a key investor, lost their accelerator and all the momentum that they had coming into spring of 2020 was fundamentally ripped out from underneath him. Our news is the easiest of the news he got yeah, that day. Right. And so it was, it was really tough. Everybody else was uh, supportive, understood that it is what it is and we'll figure it out. Um, so we sat around the conference table and said, what do you guys want to do? Where do you guys ever heard of this thing called zoom? I think yeah. we could use this. Well, thing. and it, it was funny because Heather had done such a beautiful job organizing speakers to fly into Sioux Falls and contribute in person, whiteboarding sessions and lectures and panels and the whole shoot and match. And we had no idea fundamentally how we were going to pull off a virtual uh, accelerator. And so we thought and put the option on the table, guys, do you want to just put a pin in this? We'll pick it up in the fall and see where that lands. And wouldn't you know, every single one of those founders says, nope, let's figure it out and roll through it together. And I'll never forget that moment because it taught me a lot about tenacity. And when the going gets tough, you literally just keep rolling. Like this isn't an option. And these entrepreneurs, we've seen it in cohort one for sure, cohort two, cohort three. Entrepreneurs are some of the most resilient and scrappy people on the planet that it doesn't matter what gets in their way. Sure, you take a few hits and you got to be down for a while, but they really rolled up their sleeves and said, let's go. What did it do to the around the camaraderie of that group? I know mm. that group is special. I mean, anytime I think you're in the inaugural class of anything, um, it's unique and special. But talk about, you know, together, boom, we're all gone. Now we're virtual. How are we going to make this work? Talk about the camaraderie of that group. Yeah, I think being here, expecting to be together and starting at least the first couple days together 
um, they formed this really interesting bond and built some relational equity right out of the gate. So that lent itself very nicely to everybody going back home. We took about three or four days to re to contact everybody, say, let's do this via Zoom. How are you? Can this work? What's COVID? What's COVID? <laughs> yeah. And it really, um, I half, half-heartedly joked that I was um, maybe, um, you know, hungover for a day or two, um, feeling sorry for myself. You had multiple forms of hangovers during those three or four days. Emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Cough. Yeah. All of it. Mm. All of it. Um, so yeah, it was really an interesting kind of journey, but that following week we, we had a plan. Um, things got a little out of sync. Uh, we're very intentional about how we structure our curriculum to be kind of feeding off of each other week by week. But, um, yeah, we made it work. The um, they are the strongest participants in the alumni network, um, and are like I said, two of the five are in market, including the one that you said thought he lost his investor, thought he lost his accelerator. That's right. He's coming to market next month. That's right. Yep, that's exactly right. So it's really great again to see that that resiliency. And when you when the going gets tough, you really. I would, I would put money on the entrepreneurial kind of sector a thousand times over than anything else. So it was really great. Um, but one thing they kind of got chipped out of was a demo day. We did everything virtual. We didn't get the chance to um, showcase their progress, put them in front of investment communities and other kind of leaders to showcase what they've done. So that was, that was an interesting challenge. But here's where it gets better is you fast forward to fall of 2020 and we went into that cohort. So I should make sure the audience knows we run two cohorts a year, one in the spring and one in the fall. So it was our second cohort, same year, still a pandemic year. I was dead set on the idea that we had to be in person. And Luke and Heather both- Stubbornly dead stubborn. set. Stubborn, yeah. So it's an attribute that I've had since me high to a grasshopper. Um, but Luke and Heather said, Nikki, give it up. It can't be in person. So we said, all right, what if we bookend this thing and we have fall of 2020 where they're on site the first week, they go virtual for 10 weeks, and then they're on site the last week. That's what we proposed to the companies that applied to cohort two. And it worked out exactly you, like that. You would think that if you're a prospective company in cohort two, and this thing's going to start out virtual, that that's a deterrent, right? Yeah. You're going you're to think like, ah, oh, virtual, come on, what am I going to really learn here? What am I doing? Did I mean... Did you see it drop off in, in the types of applicants, the number of applicants, the quality of the applicants no, because you were going virtual? Not at all. Um, actually, I think people just understood that's the way of the world. That's what we're dealing with right now. And that's just OK. I think people appreciated the flexibility that even though we believe that being on site will fundamentally serve folks better in the long run, that wasn't an option in the fall of 2020. So um, actually, our application pool from one to two more than doubled. Um, and again, compelling companies. I'm actually sporting one today, RiftPay, uh, straight out of Dallas, Texas. Um, and Hafiz and Bryce. Hafiz and Bryce. Well done. Look at that memory isn't fading I so know, fast. Exactly. Huh? Um, so Hafiz and Bryce uh, and their team out of Dallas from RiftPay have gotten just crazy great traction. They're working on a really cool split payment um, platform that they've been iterating on and, and are getting close to market launch themselves. So they, along with a number of others, were working on creative. We had a great, um, actually really hard decisions to make about who do we select because the application pool uh, was quite compelling, which 
honestly, if I look at that, tells me that those people also very tenacious and scrappy and have a ton of grit because they could have said, we're in the middle of a pandemic. People aren't raising money. Banks aren't bringing products to market, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't fold or give up at that time either. So very inspiring. Yeah, that's, it is. And you think about a time when the world felt so isolated and there was so much unknown in the world. I mean, for, for these early stage companies to not just fold up the tent and say, right. look, trudge on, trudge on. Um, and I think, it, you know, I give, I give you and your team a ton of credit about mm -hmm. this because it would have been easy for you guys to lose momentum and to lose excitement around mm -hmm. it. And, and you didn't, they didn't. And, uh, well, I thought, I mean, I think, uh, cohort two, as I look back on comparing cohort two with cohort one, you know, the types of products changed, um, but the excitement around what they were doing didn't change. Yeah. And I think I've, I've come to really, uh, expect i mean these founders come in with like they are motivated they are sure they've got the next big thing mm -hmm. um they love constructive criticism but they are incredibly determined and yeah. so you know, global pandemics don't scare them that's right and so at the end of that one the book end of cohort two we brought cohort one back and we did our very first double demo day so we debuted now that was a party that now that Heather Berg might not be so excited about ever reliving the memories of that one again. But it was it was a ton of coordinating. It was a ton of activity. And we did we had um, a really good uh, turnout for that double demo day. You hit and the limit on your Zoom call that we day. Did. You and hit the limit. Text upon text saying can't get I can't in. Get can't in. Get I can't in. get in. And so we had to go back and real quick on the fly reconfigure some of the settings to try and uh, didn't expect the kind of results that we got. Um, so that was really fascinating. Um, so yeah, cohort one, cohort two, through the pandemic, still got great results. Um, we've got a person out of cohort two that's um, launching in T-minus any day with central payments for their full-scale market launch. And so that's really exciting. And you had asked a question earlier, Trent, about how do you keep them excited and motivated when they see their fellow cohort members coming to market and maybe they are not? And what's interesting about Falls Fintech, and sometimes I'm super proud of what we've done, is you do see a lot of accelerators do their thing and then wash their hands and say, hope we served you well, best of luck. And that's not to undercut what anybody's doing. That's just what they have to do because that's their model. For us, we stay tethered to these people until they're ready to go to market. You have, you told me this over lunch today, you have Josh from Permiso in cohort one coming out to hang in Sioux Falls for a week, Yeah. right? I mean- yep. He'll be here, uh, yeah, he'll be here very, very soon. And we'll spend a week here as he starts to build some more relationships in Sioux Falls. Uh, he's from LA and is coming here to just bunk up at the office. And so this alumni network is, it's unbelievably strong and it's unbelievably supportive of one another. I've got a company that just wrapped up in cohort three that has weekly calls with a cohort two person. And that's been interesting to watch that unfold. And I think it has to do with, they see us more than a step in the right direction, but we are their kind of future direction as far as a strategic partner. If you think about it, I'm glad you mentioned that because it was really a cohort too, where this concept of entrepreneur in residence mm -hmm. um, came up. And I talk a little bit about that because I think it all comes into this idea of mentoring and, and where, why you went to setting aside one of the positions in the cohort as, a, as an entrepreneur in residence. Yeah. 
You know, after every cohort, we spend a reasonable amount of time, actually I'd say a, a hefty, hefty amount of time debriefing. And we, we talk about the good, the bad, and the unexpected. What worked? What didn't? What should we do different? How do we need to shape this out differently? And with cohort two, we said, look, if everybody is at somewhat of a same kind of uh, stage, it's hard to help, oh gosh, how do you say this? Like basically pull them along, bring them along. And so what we found in our application pool is there was one or two companies that really stood out as farther along, had been down the accelerator road before, maybe have launched a product and exited, or, 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 any combination thereof. And we thought, gosh, what would it look like if one of those companies came in and acted like the entrepreneur in residence? Um, and it was actually Donald Hawkins with um, First Boulevard that we had first ideated on that idea of what that could look like. And it was fantastic. And if you're, if you're in fintech and you're watching startups in fintech, um, everybody is watching what First Boulevard is doing. Sure. As we talk about this entrepreneur in residence, Talk a little bit about what Donald and Asia brought to the table. We met Donald, um, as I recall, I had, I had dinner with him in Kansas City um, as he was coming out of another accelerator uh, on a whole nother project. Uh, and then Donald reached out and he's like, I'm working on this new thing. And you said, boy, he's my entrepreneur in residence. And, you know, we knew when we had dinner with him, like this, this guy's a rock star. That's right. Uh, getting him, what did it mean to, to, to get Donald and his partner Asia uh, into False Fintech? Well, certainly elevated the bar on what we were able to provide on on-site mentoring, so to speak. Donald and Asia both wrapped their arms around these early stage companies, their fellow cohort members, like I've never seen before. It was remarkable how much Asia and Donald seemed to be invested in their fellow cohorts' success as much as their own. And they gave some really sage advice that they've never um, shied away from themselves. They are so mission focused, um, unapologetically building banking for black America. The timing was right. Their conviction was right. They are the right people in general. And it was such an honor to help support getting them there. Um, and so watching that happen underneath my nose really of cohort two made me say, I wonder what it would look like if this was an ongoing thing for every uh, cohort going forward. May or may not happen. We certainly had it in cohort three and it proved to be just as fruitful as it was in cohort two. Yeah. And, and look, I can't, I can't say enough great things about First Boulevard. Um, you know, the handoff, we talk about all the time, the handoff from false fintech to central payments, right? Accelerator to market launch. Um, we're learning as we go to, sure. we, we, you know, I think we're farther along than about any bank in the country, but we all know there's things to do better. Having Asi and Donald as sort of our, our, our primary project to make that go well for future cohorts, um, incredibly valuable. One of the best testimonials that I think we've gotten so far came out of a company in cohort one that said, probably my favorite thing about Falls Fintech is we celebrate each other's successes and we're not afraid to fail together. And I think that's a really important vibe that we continue to foster because these entrepreneurs seeming to have always have to have their face on, always pitching to the venture community, always trying to raise funds, always trying to look like they have it together. And there has to be a point in time where they can let that guard down a bit. And False Fintech is a safe place to do that. Um, and it, it really serves them well. We, we lean in a little bit to um, founder health. Um, mental health as far as entrepreneurs are concerned. And that was really, that was such an eye-opening experience for me. I mean, I, I, 
I have been on the founder side of things a few times and it is hard on the person, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard on the person's family. Um, uh, I think what you and Luke and Heather did in cohort two around how do we help these folks deal with adversity better as human beings. Right. Um, you know, you always joke, I'm not the squishy one, mm-hmm. um, but I think it speaks to the value of false fintech um, uh, immensely. So kudos as always. Uh, yeah, I mean, underneath all uh, entrepreneur, put whatever label you want on it is, is just a person. And I think we would do a disservice to that person if we didn't care for the whole, uh, the whole package. And in many cases, it's a person who hears the word no a lot. Yeah, many times. Who, who takes negative feedback, albeit most of the time very constructive, but who hears the, the, the. Almost hears, as much as I tell you no. Almost. Almost. But they, they hear the negative so much more than they hear the positive. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the positives are huge highs as well. So yeah, that, that was an awesome take out of our takeaway from cohort two. We're going through sort of the debrief after cohort two. And then we started to really think about, okay, we're behind this thing. Ownership's behind this thing. We see the tractions it's getting. We're learning things, things we can do better. Certainly on the central payment side, we were like, okay, how do we, where do we, where does the, the right baton, um, when's the right time for the baton to be passed to us? And how do we not allow these entrepreneurs to lose momentum coming out of false fintech into central payments? But we started to really think about a lot of bigger stuff too right. on what false fintech looks like. Is it is it, do we need to be thinking bigger than two, five company cohorts during the nicest weather in Sioux Falls so we don't have to expose them to the, to the not so nice weather? I mean, talk a little bit about what, what we learned coming out of two going into three and what that means for four and five. Well, look, some really fundamental changes are about to be announced. Um, careful, that, that careful. That which shall not be named careful. at the moment. Um, it's, it's unbelievable how we're going to move this in one year from a seasonal accelerator for a few companies to something much bigger than that with a broader reach serving many, many, many more. So I'm excited about it. Once again, I thought about maybe pushing you down into the mud a time or two. <laughs> um, but once again, I got to say it's, it's the right move and it's been fun to watch that unfold and be a part of creating what's next. You know, what's happening right now in this space, the, the founders come in with such an insatiable appetite to learn that you almost feel like at the end of 12 weeks, like there's so much more I could do. Oh, there's so much more. And that's the thing is a lot of times they, they're still fundraising. And so how do we stay tethered to them in a meaningful way, not just a monthly check-in, but how do we give them something that they can expedite their fundraise, expedite their proof of concept in market? How do we actually get them to a point of uh, accelerating market launch? So cohort three, uh, interesting cohort uh, in the sense that much less card-based, we noticed in the applicant pool, the groups that we selected. Uh, We selected uh, one company that had applied in cohort two, didn't make it, took great feedback from us, came back, we said, you're in, we're excited. Um, but And he won the Maria Forrest Award, Perseverance Award. Were you going to go there? Did I just steal I wasn't going to go there yes. yet, but uh, I will go there because I love to talk about that. But, um, you know, I think cohort three is going to be the first one that really gets to 
have the first little sense of where false fintech is going yeah. around the way in which we bring them live. Yeah. Um, careful. The, I careful. know, I'll be careful. The environment that we bring them live in um, and allowing them, you know, rather than, uh, yeah, I have to be careful here. Yeah. I just have to say, anybody who's listening that I'm the experiences worst FOMO, yeah. you're going to like, you know, nobody... I'm the worst secret keeper mm. on the planet. So let's so, just, let's just let that be. How about we'll, that? We'll save that one for another episode of FinTech yeah. Rules because much to talk about there. Yeah. So look, I think at the end of the day, I would say getting to where we've gotten today has been a lot of trial and error. We have learned firsthand what it means to pivot, to be fluid, to be iterative. And I think that makes us more relatable uh, to a lot of the startups that we that we uh, pursue. So um, a lot of journey that we've laid behind us and so much more to come. We're, we're about entrenched relationships, right? We are, the, our mantra around here is, you know, be essential. Yeah. And we want our people to, to make sure our clients feel like we are an essential part of their, what they do. We want our false fintech participants to look at us as being essential. And look, I think everything we're doing and all the, all the projects we can't talk about yet that we're going to talk about very soon um, is all around this idea of creating embedded relationships with these companies, making sure they feel like we're essential because that way, you know, for some of these gaps in time as companies are out raising money and they're waiting to come to market and we're waiting for them to raise money, um, the bond, the bond stays strong. It stays strong between you and Nikki, Heather, I'm sorry, you and Luke and Heather um, with all the companies. And the bond's going to stay strong from a technology and bank issuing standpoint because we know what's going to happen. Like we, th some of these companies are just, they have two great of ideas um, that uh, we, we know they're gonna, it's going to happen. Yeah. What a great discussion about false fintech. I think we've taken the first two episodes of false fintech brews, brought the audience up to speed about where we are. Um, I'm excited to not talk so much about us um, in, in future episodes, talk a, a lot about our partners, talk a lot about where we think the industry is going, talk a lot about fintech and bank as a service, um, topics that you know we love. But I think this has been great, kind of just bringing everybody up to speed on how we get where we are um, and then what we plan to do with that. So. Thanks for sharing so much about these great companies. And uh, my cup's empty. Your cup is empty. We better go take care of that. Time so, for more. thanks for tuning in, everybody. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of FinTech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls FinTech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.